following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. Thank you. If you have your Bibles open to uh, the book of Joshua, uh, we will have uh, the passages on, um, on display as well. But this morning I want us to talk about the problem, the promise, and the provider. And to set the context, you know, the children of Israel were in um, uh, slavery in Egypt for more than 400 years. God promised that he'll give them a promised land. So they were on their way to the promised land. Uh, we know they could have made the trip in 40 days. We know that because Elijah made that trip in 40 days. So we know that you could make it in 40 days. You might think, well, but there were 1.2 uh, Jews. How is, you know, they're not going to make it in 40 days. Let's give them 40 months. Did they do it in 40 months? No, they did it in 40 years. Why? Because of their disobedience. Uh, and, but finally, they come to the border uh, of, the, of the Jordan. Basically, what separates uh, the country of Jordan today to Israel from Israel was the Jordan River. So they're finally there. Uh, but again, uh, today I'm going to talk about three obstacles that they encounter as, they, as they're going into the promised uh, land. And uh, we'll see that... Uh, God, with each one, takes care of them because he is the God who fulfills his promises. That's why I'm hoping um, whatever problem you have today, that you will see that there are promises in the scripture, and then there's a provider who fulfills those promises for us. So the first problem uh, that we have uh, is in uh, Joshua chapter 1, the first uh, two verses. The problem is the death of a leader. Moses. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. So God's timing is always perfect. Uh, In this case, God gives them an encouragement because their leader, Moses, dies in the wilderness. You might say, well, if, if Moses was such a great leader, why didn't he go in? Well, again, the Bible tells us why. Because he disobeyed God. God told him to speak to the rock, and he hit the rock. You might say, that's not such a big deal. When it comes to God, it is a big deal. We don't get to, to choose what we want to uh, obey or not. So God says to Moses, because you have done that, I'm not going to allow you to go into the promised land. But your, sir, your assistant... Joshua will lead uh, the people. You see, Moses was great in the wilderness. Why? Was Moses trained in the wilderness? Yeah, Moses was a shepherd before he was a leader. So before God used Moses to lead the people through the wilderness, he trained Moses for 40 years to lead sheep in the Median Desert. Someone said, God 
trained Moses for 40 years at Pharaoh's court to learn something. He trained him 40 years in the wilderness to know that he is nothing. And then for 40 more years to lead the people of Israel into the promised land to teach him what, what God can do with nothing. And sometimes when we're in the desert, we think, what is God doing? Maybe God is preparing us for something else. So never waste those wilderness moments. But by the way, so Moses, again, was great by, to lead in the wilderness. But now, as they're going into the promised land, they're not going to encounter people in the wilderness. They're going to encounter people in wild cities. So Joshua is great for that. Moses was great in the wilderness, but now they need a military leader, and God will provide uh, Joshua. Listen to what the Bible says about Joshua in Deuteronomy 34. So before the book of Joshua, the last book is Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 34, 9. Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses has laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. You see, the, the, the problem is the death of a leader, but whenever there's a problem, we always have to look at the promise. What does God promise? And in this case, God promised, hey, I will raise up a leader. That's why it's important for us to know what the Bible says, so we can know what the promises of God are. When we encounter the problem, do we know what the promises are? That's why we need to know what the Bible says in Deuteronomy 18. God says to Moses, I will raise up for you for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. Maybe some people would have said, well, okay, Moses is, is dead. We're done. Let's go back to Egypt. You know, no more, no more leadership. We can pack our bags and go back to Egypt. But that was not it. Again, God promised that he will raise up a leader. And I'm here to tell you that in every generation, God raises up leaders. Uh, I, I'm always, in, uh, I don't know, I'm intrigued when people say, oh, our generation, you know, uh, we're done. We're like, no. Every generation had evil people. And every generation, God trained and raised leaders to lead. I don't buy into this fatalistic, oh, we're done. We're... No, no. In every generation, in every generation, God raises up leaders. Isn't that great news? It is. We have to rely on the promises of, of God. Someone wise said this, leadership is one of the greatest indicators that God is moving Leadership is one of the greatest measures of a spiritually healthy church. Leadership happens when God speaks. See, God not only promised a leader, but God handpicked Joshua. And God indeed provides Joshua as the leader. At the end of Deuteronomy, the Lord commissioned Joshua, the son of Nun, saying, Be strong and courageous, for you shall bring the people of Israel into the land that I swore to give to them. If you, if you read the first five books of Moses, Joshua is introduced in the book of Exodus. 
And he's kind of Moses' right-hand man. And he's a military leader. And in Exodus 17, we're introduced to him. And then later in Exodus 24 and Exodus 33, he's described as, again, Moses' assistant. But then in the book of Numbers, why do you know Joshua? Because Joshua is a man of, of faith. Remember when they, they're going as spies into the promised land? The other guys are saying, well, we can't do it, right? Only Joshua and Caleb said we can do it. Because they are men of faith. In the book of Hebrews, in chapter 11, in the whole of faith, they are listed there as men of, of faith. And God raises up Joshua in Numbers uh, chapter uh, 14, starting in verse 6. says, Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, The land which we passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. By the way, how many of you know the VeggieTales? The great theologians VeggieTales say that this is a very sticky land. <laughs> Milk and honey. They are correct. They are correct. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. So not only is God using Joshua to lead, but God is using Joshua to write. The book that we read in called Joshua is written by Joshua himself. We are told that in Joshua 24, 26. Joshua wrote these books, these words in the book of the law of God. And he took a large stone and set, up, set it up under a terebinth there by the sanctuary of the Lord. So the first problem, the death of a leader. The promise, God says, I'm going to raise up a leader. And then the provider, God, raises up Joshua. So now they have a leader, and now they get to the, to the brinks of the Jordan River. So that's a problem. Because you have a river, and you have 1.2 million Jews. How are they going to cross the river? What's going to happen? Well, again, let's look. Joshua chapter 3. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim, and they came to the Jordan. He and all the people of Israel and lodged there before they passed over. This is about a 10-mile journey. Now, uh, so this is the, the map, uh, the red line. Uh, again, let's see if this, uh, if this baby works. Let's see. Uh, no, okay. That's okay. So the, you see the red line, they're coming down from Egypt and they're going up right of the Jordan River. That's actually today the country of Jordan. Actually, there is actually a road that's still there today called the King's Highway. For those of you who have been to Wainona Lake, go up the King's Highway. We actually have a King's Highway. So this is the King's Highway and they're going up. But notice, please, they're not going then into the promised land. Why? I mean, if, look at that line. Looks like their GPS is broken, right? <laughs> no, the problem is they did that because of their disobedience. They didn't obey God. So he allowed them to go through the promised land to, uh, before they got to the promised land for 40, 40 years. So again, to the right of the, 
of the River Jordan is the present day the country of, of Jordan. And then finally they come across from, uh, from Jericho, uh, and they, again, they, they're right at the Jordan River. But how, what, how are they going to pass 1.2 million Jews, including women and children and everything they, they have? Again, we have to look at the promise. And the promise is back in chapter 1. Pro, uh, prepare your provisions for within three days. You are to pass over this Jordan and to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Now notice, it doesn't say... If the weather is okay, you'll pass over. It doesn't say that, right? It doesn't say, if the wind blows just right, you'll pass over. It doesn't say that. It says simply, you will pass over the Jordan. Now, do you know another leader who took people through the water into something? Who is that? Moses, right? Yeah, what God is showing you, hey, just like I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you, Joshua. And I'm going to basically make your own exodus event here. But I'm not going to part the Red Sea. Now I'm going to part the Jordan. And God does exactly that. God is still the provider who parts the waters. Look in chapter 3, starting in verse 17. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing on dry ground until all the nation finished passing of the, over the Jordan. You might say, that's pretty nice. You know, the priests are doing their work, and we just go through and we have to do nothing, right? Wrong. Wrong. There is something that they need to do. Look in verse 5 of chapter 3. Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. It's easy believism to say, hey, God will do everything. You just have to relax and do nothing. That's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. The Bible says, consecrate yourself. Put away sin. Put away the sin in your life and make yourself holy before the Lord. And then God will work. The English word consecrate comes from the Latin. That means to make holy. Holiness was God's design for his people. Leviticus 19.2. Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, is holy. In other words, when God is telling them, hey, you got to consecrate, make yourself holy, the Israelites were not like, oh, that's a new thing. I never heard that before. No, God said that to them all along. Leviticus 11, Leviticus 20, Leviticus 19, consecrate yourself, consecrate yourselves, make yourselves holy. And I know it's hard. In a world that celebrates sin, we are called to be holy. But it's actually easier in a sense because the, the deeper the darkness, even if you shine a little light, you will provide light, right? And God is calling us. God is calling us to be set up. That's what holiness is, to be set apart. But a lot of people understand this to say, okay, I'm going to be set apart and I'm going to move to the monastery and live as a hermit and don't have to do anything to do with the people. That's not what it means. 
To be holy means being separated from something to do something. It's not just to be separated from, it's also separated to. So the question is, you, you, you all need to answer that question. What is God calling me to do? What am I separated from to do? Because everybody has a calling in their lives. You, all of you have gifts, at least one, the Bible says. Some of you have two, some of you have five. And if you have more, God will require you more from you. But the Bible says everybody has at least one gift. So my question to you is, how are you using the gift that God has given you? God will part the waters of whatever problem you have. But you have to consecrate yourself for him. God will not bless sin. I heard recently about this couple that were not married but were living together in sin. And they were uh, explaining to their pastor, oh, it's so beautiful. We were in bed singing hymns together. You have missed the point. God will not bless that. Uh, I, I was telling you that we, 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 uh, we depend a lot on pastors who teach for us. This last week, uh, a pastor was called by another seminary. I'm not going to give you his name. Uh, Christian Theological Seminary. I'm not going to tell you where it is, Indianapolis. <laughs> the president of the seminary called my pastor friend and said, we want you to come and teach for us. <laughs> and my friend, who, by the way, visited there before he came to Grace to do a doctoral program, said, I don't think I can come. I, we, we don't fit theologically. And the president, who is a man, said, is it our stance on homosexuality? And uh, my pastor friend said, yeah, that's one of them. And the, pa and the president, who again is a, is a man, said, well, my husband and I will not like that. This is the president of a seminary. God will not bless that. You have to separate yourself. The holiness is not just something like an idea out there. Holiness is a requirement. And if you want to be happy, you have to start with holiness. Holiness is the beginning of happiness. That is not the end. But God provides and he parts the waters of the Jordan. But again, remember what we need to do. First Peter 1, 14 through 16 says, by the way, Peter quotes from Leviticus and says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And then again, in, ver in, chapter seven, uh, in chapter 3, verse 17, we are shown that God parts the water of the Jordan. So God provides a leader. God provides a miracle by parting the waters. They are going into the promised land. They are finally in the land. And the first city, the first wild city they have to deal with is, you know, right? Again, if you watch the VeggieTales, you know, Jericho. If you don't know... If you, don't, if you have kids and you don't know VeggieTales, 
invest in vegetables. When my, our son Tim, who's now 22, when he was one, uh, I remember he would not eat his lunch if Barney the dinosaur was not on TV. You know Barney, right? I love you. you love me. Hey, you should give me a, a purple shirt. What's up? You got to provide for the pastor, for the preacher. So I went to my work. I was working as a security guard. I know, I, I, I'm like, I look like a security guard. Uh, I was working as a security guard, so I asked my friends, you guys got to help me out. My, my kid would not eat without Barney, Barney the dinosaur. So everybody was like emailing back back then, VeggieTales, VeggieTales, VeggieTales. And it was, a, it was a blessing. So if you have children or grandchildren, invest in VeggieTales. Now Jericho, here's the problem. Jericho, the first wild city. Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And uh, you know in chapter 2 in Joshua, God sends those spies and uh, Rahab uh, helps the people of Israel. And in Joshua 2, 9 to 11, Rahab summarizes how the people inside Jericho felt. Even though they were walled, there were two sets of walls uh, in Jericho, so none could come in. And yet, listen what uh, Rahab says about the state of the people. I know that the Lord has given you the land, and the fear of you has fallen upon us, and all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you, and when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Gog, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on earth beneath. And yet, so God says, I'm, I'm giving you the city. But the reality is that the city was wild. So what you see here, uh, the archaeological evidence tells us that indeed the Bible was correct. The city was wild. But what you see here, you actually, you said there were two walls. You see that? So there were two mud brick walls. But then the first wall has a stone retaining wall. If you look carefully at the bottom, those are people. That's very important to understand kind of the, the size. So how can the Israelites go and conquer when you have these two sets of walls? And by the way, in between you would have homes. And then homes would also be along the wall. Because Rahab's house was in the wall. Remember that? When the, the spies got out of the wall. The, back then, windows were just an opening um, in the wall. So again, this is an artist's rendering of what they had uh, to do. So, big problem, big problem, but again, you had the promise. The promise in chapter 6, verse 2, the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. Now, again, I know English for me is a second language, but I have given to me is past tense. See that? It doesn't say, I will give you. It doesn't even say, I am giving you. It says, I have given you, past tense. In other words, in God's eyes, this is as done. But this is called, by the way, the prophetic perfect. Whenever God wants something to happen, even though it didn't happen, he says it in the past tense. 
I have given it to you. And again, do the people just say, okay, great, we're just going to do whatever we want? No. They still have to obey what God is telling them. And in this case, God is telling them some really interesting stuff to do. You shall march around the city, all the men of war, going around the city once for six days. Now, what would you think if God told you to do that? All you have to do is march around. I'm not asking you to fight. I'm not asking you to prepare anything like that. Just walk around for six days. And then on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. And the priest shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a loud blast to the ram's horn, when you hear the, tr- the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat. Here's the lesson for us, my dear brothers and sisters. Even if God is asking us to do something that doesn't make sense humanly speaking, we have to do it. We have to do it. It won't make sense. Maybe people will make fun of us. They will say to you, it doesn't make sense. You're old-fashioned. You're, well, you just sang a song. What, Bethany? You sang a song from the 17th century? <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. You know we're in the 21st century, right? <laughs> we need to obey God's commands even when it doesn't make sense. And we have to be faithful in the little things. If God is only asking us to walk around, that's all we got to do. Be faithful in the little things. Didn't Jesus say, if you're faithful in the little things, I'm going to make you faithful over the big things? Yeah. Yeah. God gives them the victory. If you, if you look in the text, and you know the text. On the seventh day, they rose early at dawn of day and marched around the city the same manner seven times. It was only on the seventh day that they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time, when the priest had blown the trumpet, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given the city, and the city that owes it within it shall be devoted to the door for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live, because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted them, you take away any of the devoted things and make camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. How was this possible? How was this possible? It was possible, the Bible says, by faith. Hebrews 11.30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down and after they had been encircled for seven days. But again, my dear brothers and sisters, by faith doesn't mean I stand around and do nothing. That's not what it means. Faith means doing what God is asking us to do, even when it doesn't make sense from a human perspective. Victory requires work. Victory requires waiting. Victory requires obedience. And victory requires purification and God is faithful uh, if you go to Israel today there are there's, you can actually see the walls the two sets of walls and again this is an artist rendering you see the, the walls from the retaining wall you see the, the, the rocks from the retaining wall the stones that fell down 
what happened when the stones fell down? What happened is those stones became a ramp on which the people of Israel went up. It's exactly, it's exactly like the Bible said. I have never seen one archaeological discovery that contradicted Scripture. I haven't seen one. God is faithful. And he gave Jericho into the hands of the Israelites. This is actually an actual picture from Jericho that I took uh, a few years ago. You can actually, this is the first set of walls. And in the background, there are the, the second set of walls. So, how can we apply this to our lives? First of all, arise and go. If God says to you, arise and go, you arise and go. You have to be strong and courageous, even though people uh, will, will try to, uh, to tell you that you, it cannot be done. The problem is too big, whatever it's going to be. You have to trust in the power of God and depend on the power of God. At the beginning of the book of Joshua, Joshua wrote, writes, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For when you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isn't that great news? That's great news. So I, I really don't know what problems you are encountering. I don't know what your Jordan is, or, or not this Jordan, although he might be a problem. Yeah. Big problem. <laughs> I don't know what Jericho you have, but you can rely on the promises of God and on the God who always provides. Is that good news? That's good news. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for For sending Jesus Christ into the world to, to die for our sins, to die for sinners such as us. The biggest problem is sin. Thank you that you sent Christ to take care of that for us. Forgive us for the many times when we try to resolve issues by doing things in a worldly manner, without sanctification, without purification. Teach us what it means to be, to be holy in this unholy world. Thank you for your promises. Help us to love your word and every morning to, to drink deep from this fountain of, of, of wisdom, to know what it means to, to be your disciples and what it means to, to love you with all our, our hearts. Pray for these uh, dear brothers of mine and sisters of mine I, that whatever problems they deal with, that they will rely on your promises and that you will provide for them in such a way that they will be able to come back and give you praise and glory. It is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.